Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Yep, Haley is capitalizing on concerns about Trump and Biden's mental fitness. You can tell by her new campaign slogan, Nikki Haley, I can drive at night. That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Wow. Yeah. New Hampshire. The numbers behind the the latest polling. Oh, Oh, we won't waste your time. I know. Please. Please. I am am interested in the question of after she loses tonight by whether it's 8 or 30, it doesn't make any difference. Does she stick around and get her ass kicked in her home state? Embarrassed on the national stage in her home state? Have that... Ding for the rest of her life. Does she do that? Right. It would be. I I find it extremely hard to come up with a rationale for why anybody would do that. What they could possibly get out of it. Uh, and I I can't come up with one. I just I, it's got to, it'll be like DeSantis. You remember how DeSantis was vowing to fight to the finish until the moment he said I'm out. Right. Till your big don biggest donor comes and says I'm done. Then you're done. Um, uh, one thing on that is, uh, as was pointed out on uh, one newsletter I read today, this is going to be easily the longest general election campaign in U.S. history. They ah, used to yeah. be like they used to be like a month long. By the way, they wouldn't even like really get into it like after till after like um, um, Labor Day. Mm-hmm. But um, this is going to be the longest general election, and the question is, how do either campaigns handle that? Do you lay low? Do you go at it every day for nine and a half months? I mean, because the general election basically starts tonight. Right, right. Now, that's an interesting topic. Wow, I, I suspect Trump will mostly lay low. Do a rally a month, maybe two, and and send out incendiary uh, tweets and truths and whatever the heck else. Here's uh, hope here's he gets some unearned media or earned media, whatever they call it. 
One thing that everybody should be aware of is, um, and I picked this up from the Zoom call I got on the other day with a whole bunch of political heavyweights listening to them talk. The Trump campaign is as good as any uh, that's ever been put together. It's the opposite of what he did in 2016, where he had like two guys and one of them was a Facebook genius and they worked the system. And he has a traditional hired the best people out there, just a really, really, really solid, big time political operation going that he didn't have last time around. Yeah, interesting. Well, I do want to talk a little bit about New Hampshire, but <clears throat> only in this regard. Um, it's it's hilarious what's going on on the Democrat side. You may recall the... Uh, I can drive you know, at night. <laughs> how this unfolded. The, the Biden campaign, Biden White House, said New Hampshire's not going to be first anymore because it's uh, too white. Well, and because our guy was in fifth place last time there, New Hampshire, where you got to actually meet people and talk to them, and they can assess whether you're, I don't know, functional or not. Uh, <laughs> we don't want to start there. We're going to start in South Carolina, where our guy did great, and the black power brokers in the state are very, very good at turning out the vote, so our guy will have a good uh, first uh, primary. Uh, so anyway, uh, that was decided, and uh, the uh, folks in New Hampshire said, well, our state law says we've got to be the first in the country, which is kind of an odd law, but that's, we're kind of proud of that. We're, we're happy with ourselves. And so we're having a damn primary. If you don't want to be on the ballot, you don't have to be. And Biden said, all right, then, I won't be. But then you have this uh, Congressman Dean Phillips from Minnesota who's running, and he's saying all sorts of good stuff about, hey, you know, this is a democracy. What are we doing? We don't ordain candidates here. We get votes. And so he is on the ballot uh, along with Marianne Williamson. Is that her name? Yeah. Um, and, and a few other lesser lights. Um, and, lesser and than that. Well, yeah, uh, that's a good point. So uh, he's expected to get 5 to 17 percent of the vote or something like that and biden's people having said you're not the first anymore you don't get any delegates out of your stupid little primary we're not even gonna put the president's name on the ballot so there now all of a sudden they're saying you know if this dean phillips gets a decent number and he quote unquote wins new hampshire because our guy wasn't there at all that'll be bad headlines for us even though if you pay attention to politics, you already know what happened. Mm -hmm. But they're counting on the fact that most Americans will have no idea what happened. And True. so now they're desperately trying to get people to write in Joe Biden's name so he can win the primary that doesn't count that he refused to be in. Gotcha. That is, in a, in a nutshell, American politics. And it's not a good look. It's not complimentary. Well, Meanwhile, only the yes. most tuned-in activist sort of people participate in these early state things, as we're all finding out. So I would imagine the word got out to that small number of people. Okay, right in Biden's name, so we don't have an embarrassment here. Yeah, and they actually did a poll in the last couple of days in which writing in Biden was the leader um, mm. by a significant amount. It's just kind of funny that they, <laughs> having gone to all the trouble to, uh, you know, uh, neuter New Hampshire, are now rushing back and begging people to write in their guy's name, even though it doesn't count and there are no delegates at stake. Uh, but so while all those political <laughs> hijinks are going on, which are of no significance to anyone and their lives, 
What's actually happening across the country and in their lives is pretty notable to us. And I I mentioned it casually uh, a few minutes ago, but it's worth uh, repeating. Uh, George Orwell's, uh, one of his many devastating lines from 1984, the party told you to reject the evidence of your eyes and ears. It was the final most essential command. And if you scan the news horizon, you come across stuff like this. Denver Hospital System says it's on the verge of collapse over migrant crisis. Hospital system in Denver said the migrant crisis the city faces could drive it into financial collapses as struggles to make ends meet with over $100 million in unpaid for care. Yeah, that's what, said, one of the main examples I've always used when you talk about um, the problem with illegal immigration is how it affects your hospital system. But the good people of New York, Chicago, and Denver didn't know that until this whole spreading them around the country thing started happening. Yeah, in the past year alone... 8,000 illegal immigrants have come to the hospital for 20,000 visits, the cost of which goes into the millions and has not been reimbursed by the state and federal governments. Uh, The strain from treating the migrants has contributed to $136 million in care the hospital provided last year, for which it has not received compensation. I don't have a ton of sympathy for the hospital industry because it's riddled with monopolizing uh, practices that are bad for consumers, but that is a pretty good little indication of what it's like in those hospitals. And if you've been to an emergency room in a migrant-heavy area in the last couple of years, you don't need to be told. You will be absolutely surrounded by a bunch of people without insurance speaking Spanish. Right. Then this. And that's, their, that, that's the way they use the hospital, is the, the emergency room. Chicago organized retail burglary ring allegedly led by newly arrived illegal aliens. Chicago suburb of Oak Brook. Very affluent. I grew up like two towns away from Oak Brook. That's where the rich people lived, then the pretty rich people, and then there was the town I lived in, which was just at the edge of the not-rich-people-at-all town. Um, There's kind of a... It's almost down the steps of a hill. Uh, But Oak Brook... Very affluent and with a fabulous shopping center that was like anchored by Neiman Marcus, which we called Needless Markup, and, uh, and <laughs> Nordstrom and Saks Fifth Avenue and stuff like that. And and we would you know like walk and look wonderingly at the window displays in those stores and and get, go to the Sears. Um, anyway. Uh, the Chicago suburb of Oak Brook has been beset with an increase in retail theft and burglaries over the last year. And police say the leading cult- culprits, this is from the cops now, have been recently arrived illegal border crossers who are filtered out to the suburb from Chicago. Oak Brook Police Department reports that 47 recently arrived illegal aliens have been arrested in connection with retail thefts and home and car burglaries just in the last two full months and more than 175 since last year. Uh, thieves often use bags lined with sheets of tinfoil in an attempt to thwart store anti-theft protection devices and entrances, sweep the shelves off, and, and just leave. Uh, so you have that. Again, that's people's eyes and ears that the party is asking them to ignore at the hospital, at yeah, the well, shopping center. You had one of the best examples earlier in Mailbag with the guy. What did he? What was his inflation example? Oh, buying a couple of dozen donuts. For 50 bucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's your eyes and ears. And then when people tell you, no, 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 inflation is down. Oh, okay. Well, I just spent 50 bucks on donuts. So guess what? It's working. And uh, speaking of our Hispanic friends, they are absolutely no less affected by what I'm about to bring up than a lot of other people. But here's this uh, male born transgender golfer 
who's one step closer to winning membership on the LPGA, won a women's tournament in Florida. I mean, he's just it is a picture of a dude standing next to two other women who finished behind him. People see that and they think this is madness. Now, the colleges might be telling you, ignore the evidence of your eyes and ears and listen to the party, which is telling you that fella is a woman. People are not buying it. And finally, this, which is proof that I'm not just flapping my gums. <laughs> but there are poll numbers out recently that are not getting a lot of attention for the, for the utterly predictable reasons. But they are just miserable for Biden. They've worse, they're worse than what you think they are. Uh, let's see. Jim Garrity from the National Review is, is writing about them. Um, and he was heading to Georgia which Trump won by about five points in 2016, lost narrowly in 2020. He's leading Biden at this point by about eight points, according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. But even more significantly, polls showed nearly 20% of Georgians weren't ready to support either candidate as it shifts. Um, Biden is hurt by soft support among many Democratic in and independent voters who are crucial to his narrow victory. In uh, 10% of black voters say they're not going to vote at all. His lead among black folks is much less than it used to be. Uh, his approval number among blacks is uh, f barely... It's it's one and a half percent above water after being vastly positive when he was elected. Um, the numbers for uh, in Georgia, black folks who are they're voting for, it's about 59 percent for Biden, but it's 21 percent for Trump. And then 10.2 percent who said we're not going to vote at all. We're just fed up with the whole thing. Uh, Michigan numbers are even worse. Biden is polling miserably in Michigan and uh, barely, barely ahead in Pennsylvania. You think a His lot of look uh, terrible. You think a lot of uh, black and Hispanic families like the idea of bailing out a bunch of rich white kids' college debt? No, no, they they despise the idea. Among and, other and things. How, how are the black families and having their little girls taught that they're probably little boys and ought to get life-altering uh, chemical right. treatments or surgeries? Right. They don't like it at all. Um, and, you know, I'd get into the, the Michigan numbers, but to say they're terrible for Biden is good enough. He's, he's lost tremendous amounts of support. And what's interesting now to watch, and this will be my final comment, is you have the utterly unshakable conventional wisdom that you just you don't get rid of an incumbent president up against poll numbers so utterly miserable they have no precedent right. in the history of incumbent presidents which polls all of them okay but okay. you're running against donald trump who's got incredibly high unfavorables so yeah it's a unique yeah. situation um we're going to talk to mike lines here in a little bit about a number of things going on around the world and in the Middle East. What an awful day for Israel yesterday. They lost 24 IDF soldiers in one day, which is horrifying. Uh, but we got a lot of news on the way. Stay here. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox, 
you can't go around it. So you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. She raised seven children, and life was tough on the farm, and so she always wanted to give back. She knew how important health care was and how important it was for the community to help one another. What's my secret to a long life? To drink all the booze you can drink. Come on! <laughs> Add a girl's sister. Drink all the booze you can drink, she said, so, drunkenly. 140 years old, and they ask her what the secret was to living so long. She said, drink all the booze you can drink. That's after her daughter or granddaughter tried to get in some political information for you. This is health care is the reason she lived so long. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> I, and I, I, I'm an outlier here. I don't like the term give back. I don't like it. You like take? You're a taker? That's exactly right. Give what, me. Give what, me. What, do you, what do you mean by that? No, give. If you're going to give, give. Give oh, back. I see. I see well, back to whom? What In what sense am I giving back? Was it given to me? Right. I see what you mean. Have I enjoyed the goods and services of, of my state, local, and federal governments? Yes, but I paid amply in taxes for that. Mm -hmm. Have I been the recipients, uh, uh, a recipient of charitable right. organizations That's why that I'm now giving back to? Not that I'm aware of, no. You're right. The left is so much better than we are at language. That is so subtle, but so good. And it just kind of puts in your head from a very young age. You received something from somewhere. And just for magic or goodness or whatever. You didn't earn that. Something was given to you. Or you took it. And now you need to give back. Yeah, that's good. That's a good subtle one. If you wanted to look at it from a religious perspective and you think the Lord has blessed you and you need to give back to the Lord to do his good works... Or her. Um, th that's that's fine. But no, it's obligatory. I don't like that phrase. And it, again, as usual, it's the left maneuvering us into a corner through language. Uh, we overlooked the fact that uh, it's a 50-year tradition there in New Hampshire for the tiny village of Dixville Knox to vote at midnight. They had six voters. All six of them went for Nikki Haley. So she won 6-0 in that stupid tradition. Well, that is often a bellwether, Jack, for the greater New Hampshire results, which frequently is a pathway to South Carolina and occasionally a precursor of the Oscars. 
Let me jam this in real quick. I was talking about going to the football game on Saturday and how expensive it was, and I was looking around thinking, how can everybody afford this? I'm spending the whole game thinking, should I have done this? There, there's so many, you know, with, with people's attitudes about the economy and everybody says they're paycheck to paycheck and all these stats I read, got this text. How can people afford this? They can't. I personally know people who bought boats and horses and told their kids they saved up zero for their college. I have a sister-in-law who goes to every game in every city and travels five times a year, including airplane flights, while having no retirement savings at age 50. Zero. She knows she's going to run out of money, but she's going to live it up till then. YOLO is her motto in life. Yeah, let us know how that's going in 15 years, sister. I'll tell you. And then I'll be asked to give back to support her because she's underprivileged. Yes, that is exactly right. Going to talk to Mike Lyons about the Middle East coming up. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including... Actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. U.S. and British forces launching another major attack on Iranian-backed militias at multiple targets across Yemen. They're aimed at stopping Houthi rebels' attacks on ships in the Red Sea. The White House insists the strategy is working. But so far, retaliatory airstrikes have failed to stop the Houthis. And it comes amid escalating tensions in the region. U.S. troops at Al-Assad Air Base in Iraq came under attack over the weekend. Iranian-backed militias fired 17 ballistic missiles and rockets. Most were intercepted. But the Pentagon says at least two U.S. personnel suffered traumatic brain injuries. I like the two back-to-back sentences. The administration insists their deterrence is working. The Houthis continue to attack. Those two things do not fit together. Um, It became clear to me, I was just thinking about it before we played these clips, the reason the, I could call it the Obama-Biden crowd, because I think it goes clear back to the not acting on the red line in Syria, but if if you make it clear to people that you're not going to punch them in the mouth, then the whole don't, don't doesn't work. The only way don't doesn't does work is if you've made it clear to people that you mean business. 
You're going to punch them in the mouth. Then don't can work. But it doesn't work if you've made it clear that you're not willing to do that. Right. I agree 100%. I think now might be a great time to usher in Mike Lyons, military analyst from CNN. Uh, Mike, it's always enlightening. How are you? Hey, good morning, guys. Great to be back. Thank you. I think it would be fairly safe to say that practically the uh, the entire mission of an intelligence uh, operation is to figure out what your opponent is actually going to do, what they're actually thinking. And it's our opinion that the United States is absolutely telegraphing the fact that what we're actually going to do is practically nothing. Yeah, it's difficult to see where this administration goes. They whipsaw back and forth between these airstrikes into Yemen and thinking they're going to stop the Houthis and actually deter them and make statements like you just said, and then actually having that as a result. And um, my, my, favorite, my favorite is when they sit there and say, well, the Iranians are not involved with this. The Iranians don't want any escalation, but the Iranians' fingerprints are all over this. They're the ones directing these attacks. They're the ones that's provided the information. They're the ones that have given them also supply. So I don't buy that one either. I don't buy that the Iranians don't want to escalate it. I just think they're confident that we're not going to do anything on top of that, to your point. It's, you know, we've gotten away from the Teddy Roosevelt speaks softly and carry a big stick. Instead, we, we have hysteronics and we, we try to proclaim all kinds of things with regard to what we're going to do. And then, and then you know, just can't, can't follow through. Well, you said on TV the other day, and then you tweeted it, what a what really hitting back would look like with a sustained air campaign. Explain that to us. Right, right. So, so we've got to tell the Houthis, okay, we're gonna end, we're gonna be at war with you now. And the fact that uh, we're shooting each other for different reasons, I think. You know, the Houthis want war with us. They want to punch up. They want to punch up with their weight. And we keep saying, oh no, no, we just want to open up the shipping lanes. But we have to sit there and say, now, okay, we need a, a thirty day air campaign, twenty four seven, twenty you know, two thousand sorties. Uh, a day, a continuous bombing, continuous mission, similar to what we did in Desert Storm. It, it would be a, a tremendous uh, investment uh, for us to do this. But it, to, to, this is going to not stop until you stop. And and, it, and it's we're not going to be tit for tat. We're not going to only fire these uh, rockets at you when you fire one at us. And I, I think that's what uh, we should do, that we should do it for a certain period of time, have a specific metric that says uh, you're going to stop fighting at us. And it should last uh, for a while, as opposed to saying, okay, this is it now. This is the last one we're going to fire, so don't fire anything more of us. So a formal air campaign. That puts a lot of American airmen and Navy uh, pilots in harm's way, but I think that's the only way you're going to get them to stop. Oh, I think the philosophy, the answer to that would be they're going to be in harm's way eventually anyway. We're right. trying to preclude the greater harm and not to get too far afield into psychology and uh, diplomacy. But it strikes me that uh, in the same way that the Twitter left has a wildly outsized influence in domestic policy as if that's the American people. I think the in, the, the diplomatic intelligentsia U.N. crowd has an outsized effect on the Biden administration's foreign policy. They are so interested in courting the approval of these people as opposed to fixing their eyes on a successful execution of the the goals of the united states and the needs of the u.s that i just i think that the foreign policy is perverse in that way Right. It's a globalist mentality that exists uh, on that on the one level, but it's also wishing the world the way it, 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 they want it to be as opposed to the way it is, realpolitik. And I, I think that is you know the main reason, that the main change that will come to an administration if it happens. And the Obama administration and the Biden administration think that this is a world that the Iranians will eventually come to the table and be part of the international community, and all that will go with that. It just This is not going to happen, and, um, and, and they're doing everything they can. 
in order to try to give the Iranians every way out to do that. Um, I, I just think we've run out of time for a long time about that. You uh, also tweeted out the large number of different sorts of little, I don't know what you want to call them, but points of conflict around the Middle East that exist. There's, there's like a dozen. Yeah, it's an amazing thing. When you think about it, if you just take inventory about who's shooting at whom in the Middle East, and they're all mostly trending up. We saw the Iranians now. So let's go back to Iran. Iran is an authoritative government that now, as I see it, is more focused on internal problems. Uh, the fact that we had ISIS uh, attack, we saw ISIS attack them in Kerman uh, a couple of weeks ago. They're starting to have, I think, internal issues uh, with separatist organizations, which is why they decide to attack into Pakistan, into, into to the Baluchis and, and those organizations that, that want to see the overthrown of the, of the Iranian government. And now they are attacking into Syria to attack ISIS units in there, and then they're attacking into Iraq, and U.S. forces are seeing the, the side effects of that, but they're also attacking the Kurds there. They're, the Iranian government, I think, is now sending a message within the Middle East about uh, they've got to show within their country that they're going to stand up to threats that they have, and, uh, and they're starting to see it. The, the, the fact that terrorism has now come home to roost in Iran is, is a big change, and I think that's why they're going to see them escalate with a lot of these attacks outside of Iran by Iranian forces, not the proxies. Let's uh, turn our gaze uh, to Israel for a moment at least. It seems that the trading of ordnance with Hezbollah is absolutely on the brink of erupting into an all-out war. Uh, does it mm -hmm. seem that way to you? Yeah, that's the biggest concern in, in that uh, the only thing holding that back is... Uh, two things. I think the population there does not want a war, and it's a, it's a classic example of Hezbollah runs the, the, the country as, as a, you know, kind of an outside organization, and um, the Iranians, I think, are putting a little bit of the brakes on them as well, because if they gave them the green light, I think that they would go, and I think that would open up a second front. You know, th this is two countries. Israel is, uh, is an ally of the United States, uh, Hezbollah, Gaza, or, or uh, uh, the Houthis, Hamas, all of these other Iranian proxy organizations, they're all under existential threats right now. And I think um, that, that's the, the calculus that, that the Iranians are making. Um, and I think that for right now, they don't want to see um, Hezbollah destroyed because I think they're watching Hamas be destroyed in place in the southern part of Israel. Well, with Israel losing, was it 21 or 24 guys in one day, man, yeah. opening up another front, that'd be something. Well, they have those units that they had brought up. That's why they brought up 300,000 recalls back in October, and they've sent some home already, um, but they're in it for an existential fight, so I don't, I don't think they're, they're, they're going to stop. It's starting to hurt their economy. Uh, this is uh, where no allies that they have right now is really hurting them. If this, the, the world will change if the Saudis or some other Middle Eastern country decides to come to the support of Israel, and I think that's when the world changes, but we just don't see that in sight. Interesting. Yeah, uh, from what I've understood, the Israeli, the IDF, are a, a little discouraged at the extent to which they have destroyed Hamas, because Hamas is pretty good at melting into the landscape and the tunnels and the rest and, and surviving it. So I, it's just unquestionable that this is going to be a long slog. Um, and, and, you know, the, the fatigue both of Israel and its people and the international community is going to be mm -hmm. balanced against more and more hostages turning up dead and right. and more and more attacks from Hamas and Hezbollah I just I think this uh, I think we need to settle in for the long haul 
Yeah, I don't see any any see an end in sight. In fact, I think it's double trending up. I think it's the uh, Israeli government is not is not going to stop. And at this point now, until they get more hostages back, there'll be no ceasefire. There'll be nothing. They're just going to continue to uh, to just raise the, the the ground down there. So the uh, we mentioned this yesterday. The open intelligence defense crowd uh, was reporting that there's some people in uh, in defense in the Pentagon or wherever that are really unhappy with the administration not letting them just do what they got to do to stop the Houthis. Do you hear any any of that kind of chatter? Well, I know they've been given many courses of action. It gets back to one of those courses of action has been an air campaign and has been a, a much more detailed and a, and a better um, operation. We know where the Houthi supply chains are. We know where the logistics are. Um, the other thing that's going to go with this, though, is we're going to have to resupply. If we keep launching Tomahawk missiles uh, in their direction, we're going to start running out ourselves. And, uh, and now you think about from a strategic perspective, if you know, for all these destroyers that we're sending there, and firing all these Tomahawk missiles, we're kind of uh, not keeping our powder dry for something that could potentially happen in the, in the Far East. So it's got to be part of an overall campaign that the administration thinks it's going to be over very quickly. But I think from what the people I talked to in the Pentagon and the people that I know there are always looking over the horizon to make sure that we're ready to go for really what's going to be the next bigger, bigger conflict. Military analyst Mike Lyons of CNN. Uh, Mike, uh, great to talk to you. Thanks for the time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Yep, yeah, of course. Was- if I was going to give any credit to the Obama-Biden administrations, it might be that, uh, and, you know, Obama was trying to pull off this pivot away from the Middle East toward China. It might be the, look, we got to quit caring what people do in the Middle East. That ain't what's going to be the big deal. The big deal is China. That's the big deal. That's the big war. That's the one we could actually lose. So we got to quit getting sucked into all these Middle East. Pro- There's lots of places in the world that are a mess. We got to quit getting sucked into this. Yeah, if I was going to give them credit for that, I would say uh, they uh, had the right idea and did it in the wrong way. Um, uh, I I think the Trump administration was doing it in a better way, aggressively lining up um, the uh, sane Arab Gulf states with Israel and and getting that alliance going. Um, to marginalize Iran and its uh, various bands of wackadoodles. Um, and, and I suspect very strongly the Trump administration will be back. Uh, so I think it'll swing back that way. I'm glad I'm not in charge, and I'm sure many of you listening are uh, feel the same way. But, uh, man, it's, uh, it's some serious big-time decisions to make on how you handle the world stage right now. China's struggling like hell. One, another story coming out about their economy. Uh, after a word from our friends at HelloFresh... Delicious, homemade, nutritious meals in front of your family. That's the goal, and HelloFresh makes it easy. And don't let recipe boredom keep you from reaching your 2024 goals either. Look to HelloFresh's wholesome health-forward options, including over 30 calorie-smart and protein-smart recipes each week. And you can turn to HelloFresh's lineup of quick and easy meals, including their 15-minute recipes designed to help minimize mealtime stress on the nights where you really don't have much time. Uh, you just choose your recipes, select a delivery date. HelloFresh handles the meal planning and the shopping. You don't have to. It's super easy. If I can do it, seriously, anybody can. 
And if making family dinner is a New Year's resolution or a priority for this year, HelloFresh is there to help. And when you join HelloFresh, you'll get free breakfast for life. While your subscription is active, we're talking one delicious breakfast item from HelloFresh forever with each box. Uh, just go to Armstrong. I mean, I'm sorry. Use the code Armstrong Free at HelloFresh.com slash Armstrong Free. It's one breakfast item per box. While subscription is active, use the code Armstrong Free at HelloFresh.com slash Armstrong Free. I am interested in how the politics are going to break down, if that's going to be much of a thing during the the unbelievably long general election that probably starts tonight. Trump versus Biden for nine and a half months. But the way the parties break down on these issues, it's complex. There are a lot of Republicans that have no interest whatsoever in helping out the whole Ukraine cause that the Biden administration at least claimed to care so much about. And then on the other side, the Biden, on the Democrat side, you got a whole bunch of the Democratic Party that does not like the helping out Israel. I don't know how this is going to play out during the presidential election. I would agree. I think it gets back to something you've pointed out before, and that's that we have a serious lack of bedrock principles in either party. This is what we believe. This is what we're striving for. In, instead, it just changes based on who the nominee ends up being. And so uh, on the, the uh, America First is a principle, um, and I appreciate it. But what does that mean in practice? If that means like withdrawing American power from the world stage so that vacuum is filled by China and Iran, that's not putting America first. That would be disastrous. Um, And on the Democratic side, the only principles I can see are, well, let's go back to the negotiating table and, 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 and trans women are women, which, you know, a lot of America finds loathsome. So Um, we got to take a break. Got an interesting nugget from the Oscar nominations that just came out that I uh, came across among other things. Um, I hope you can stay with us. If you ever miss a segment, get the podcast, Armstrong and Getty, on demand. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including... Actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 
After DeSantis suspended his presidential campaign and endorsed former President Trump, Trump said that he will retire the nickname Ron DeSanctimonious. Added Trump, if I kept using it, that would be very unfair to my good friend, Meatball Ron. Uh, New Hampshire primary today, it is, there's nothing to say about it. It's just how much does Trump win by? And that doesn't really make any difference. So I don't even know why you'd discuss that. Um, if Oscar it's a nice chance for New Hampshireites to get together in their local diner and have some ham and eggs and chat about politics, I'm in favor of that. Yeah. Beyond that, whatever. The Oscar nominations came out today. Not that you care much about it, but uh, Oppenheimer, which is one of the more visually striking movies I've ever seen in my life, did get the most nominations by quite a bit. The Oscars did not dig Barbie as much as other awards did, but Oscars is famously very serious and doesn't, you know, like comedies and musicals and that sort of thing. Uh, so the director and that actress that played Barbie did not get nominations. The other surprise... Which I was just surprised because I've read a lot about it and was planning to see Killers of the Flower Moon that Leonardo DiCaprio did not get nominated for Best Actor, where I've read a lot of reviews that said this is his crowning achievement, breakout, he becomes one of the great act, blah, blah, blah. Um, looks good, though. Uh, came across this yesterday. I feel like you're talking about gardening awards. If you're into gardening, I'm sure this is uh, compelling. <laughs> I have such loathing for Hollywood at this point. I can't get past it. I need counseling. I came across this yesterday, and I think I agree. Uh, Tim Sandifer, our friend, retweeted it. He said, yes. I will not tweet or even form an opinion about yet another wave of controversy emanating from Harvard. I just don't care enough about this infinitely self-regarding institution to give it 30 seconds of my attention. It would probably be good for others to follow me in indifference. Go away. Whatever. Yeah, I, I don't Knock agree. Knock yourself out. Um, I, I don't agree. It's just if, if uh, the Mayo Clinic... Just casually announces that they're uh, they're uh, cutting off the flesh of people who pass away and uh, and serving it to cannibals. Um, that's and it becomes clear that most hospitals are doing that. You got to pay attention to that. Harvard Harvard is an example of a disease that's swept across the educational landscape. That is true, but I also think every time you talk about it, it it kind of reinforces the it matters. What the f? I almost dropped an f bomb. What the f? Harvard oh, does or think? Go ahead. Who cares what they do or think? I, ho hopefully that whole thing is over. Oh yeah, to the extent that it it um, has a flavor of, and we must look into this because Harvard is so sacred right. and must exactly. be preserved. Oh yeah, to hell with that. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I agree completely. All right, let's focus on Penn then. All right, Penn. Play that Columbia chant again. This is students at Columbia. Yesterday, one of your other Ivy... Is that an Ivy League school? Turn another ship around is what they're chanting. That is the first thing they say, though. There's a bunch of different things they said. I tried to catch them all. Um, something something about Yemen... Yemen, you're our Yemen. guy. Yeah. But they're, they're pro the Houthis stopping... Uh, international shipping from happening. What what kind of a stance is that? It, it, it's unthinkably dopey underdogma. God, I, I, maybe I'll end up in this situation someday with a kid, and it's 
And I don't know what I just can't imagine supporting my kid going to college doing that sort of stuff. <laughs> it just goes to show you how easily human beings are led down the, the garden path of an extremist ideology. It's a little frightening. If you miss a segment of this show, get our podcast, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.